Hello, my name is Stefan Melnick. I am a moderator at the International Academy for Leadership, uh, an organization or a part of the Friedrich Naumann Foundation for Freedom. Uh, the Academy is based in Gummersbach, and at the moment we are um, holding a seminar, a seminar on the subject of uh, freedom in a digital world. Very, very important subject, and the people that we've invited mainly come from the human rights sector, the people with leadership roles in human rights organizations, but we also have quite a number of people who are active politicians who are with us today. Many people have a legal background. We, for this podcast, we have selected four uh, participants, and I will go through um, the, uh, the, the participants and ask each participant to, uh, to introduce themselves. Uh, one uh, participant is from India, a uh, very, very large country. Another country um, that we have represented here in this particular forum is a person from a country the hundredth, a hundredth of the size of India, from Estonia. Then we have uh, a participant from Serbia and a participant from Bolivia. Uh, so you see it's, it's truly international. The event is truly international. I'd like to ask, uh, first of all, Maida to uh, present herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Maida Lubora. I'm coming from Serbia. I'm currently a PhD student at last year of my PhD studies in international law, University of Belgrade, and de dealing with human rights matter, especially with the position of women in international law. I'm also active in uh, one movement in Serbia, political movement. It's enough. Thank you very much. Sukarn. Thank you for that introduction, Dr. Stephen. My name is Sukarn Meni. I am from India. I volunteer for a non-profit law firm. We work in digital rights, protection and promotion, and we try to train people as well in order to equip them to handle their identities properly. Nicholas. Well, first of all, thank for the invitation, Dr. Stephen. Uh, I'm from Bolivia. I'm Nicolas Martinez. I'm currently studying law. I'm a human rights activist. I'm also vice president of a youth empowerment NGO called the House of Youth, and also the vice president of a governmental branch called the Youth Council of Santa Cruz de la Sierra, the department in Bolivia. Thank you. Crystal. Hello from me too. I'm uh, I'm Gresta Unwaga. I come from Estonia. Um, I work as a secretary general general of Reform Party Youth and also uh, also study in a university uh, about public administration and governance. And as I come from a country that has high digital solutions, then this course is perfect for. Uh, for me, do you, how do you safeguard uh, freedom in a digital world? Okay. So, um, when it came to applying to come to this uh, this event, why was digitalization so important for you from uh, from the point of view of someone who is very active in uh, in human rights, Maida? Well, I think that it's very important not only to see what's the main problems in the human rights sphere right now, but how they will develop 10 years from now. And I think that digitalizing the world is really great opportunity, but it also hides a lot of uh, bad side effects that can be misused by the governance if we don't safeguard our private life and our data online. Could you give an example? 
Or, for example, uh, we all give our um, names and all our data on Facebook or this kind of social media that can be misused if someone uh, can take our identity or this kind of stuff, but also our banking accounts, uh, voting that we are maybe have in the future to be e-vote that I hope one day we will have in Serbia too. But it's also very important regarding uh, to the to countries who need to be developed more, you know, because um, right uh, to a lot of rights are connected to access to internet and, yes. uh, for example, right for assembly, uh, freedom of speech, and different kind of rights are really uh, pushed forward with uh, developing of internet and uh, everything that's connected with it. Christo, uh, Estonia introduced uh, something, and it was the first country to do uh, so, uh, something which we term e-government or e-governance. Um, what are the overall um, experiences that you've had? Is, uh, is e-governance uh, important? One of the most important, what are the most important advantages of having e-governance government in your country? I think it is very important and definitely the first, first advantage that comes to my mind is efficiency. Uh, everything on the web you can do uh, all of the things so much faster and so much more efficient and also actually better for the environment if we have paperless solutions. And actually, I truly think that e-government e and e-governance is so much more safer than, uh, than doing things by paper because paper is so much easier to manipulate. E-voting is more... Uh, is more safer than ballot voting. It's very, very surprising to hear because most people, when they look at the internet, uh, their concern is with uh, with the privacy, uh, control over their own data. How has Estonia been able to deal with this? It, I think Estonians definitely we trust our government, and that's that's the main thing. That if you have trust, then you can build something on it. And of course, all our systems are decentralized and decentralized through blockchain or uh, different other solutions. So a political party or uh, the government doesn't control the info. It doesn't get the info to him. It is decentralized only only to make the make the solutions uh, happen. That it is it is not manip manipulated so easily. So I think this, that's the case. Nicolas, the situation in Bolivia is very very different. I I don't know whether you trust your government, but uh, but uh, there are uh, there are problems, and many people have problems with your government, and your government is is um, well progressing a uh, along a t path path which one might perhaps discuss describe as being more and more authoritarian as time goes by. Uh, what do you see the problems to be when it comes to the internet in, uh, in Bolivia? Are there cases that people are, uh, are the subjects of surveillance? Uh, do things happen because of activities on the internet? What happens in your country? Yes, we have a lot of uh, surveillance from part of the government. We actually have uh, people that have been detained for comments that they have been posting on their personal Facebook. And now they, we have a new threat, threat in the Internet because the government is wanting to regulate free speech on the Internet. Uh, 
So that's uh, a lot more worrying than just being surveilled because it's, it's, an, it's an issue that we're we're not comfortable, but we know it. We at least know it that our government is surveilling us and it's surveilling. And actually, the president of Bolivia, uh, I think it was a month ago, he actually de declared a g digital war against the position. And he started preparing uh, the militants, the, like the party members, uh, to start commenting at the, and start harassing opposition members and start posting uh, to NGOs such as the the one which I work with, and they start calling us everything. Yes. So can you give an example of the kind of thing that the government doesn't like uh, people to to say or to communicate on the internet? Uh, there was a case, a very specific case, which was uh, some young per members of the party from the government. They actually posted uh, a scheme in which uh, they declare how corruption works inside the Ministry of Government. And then they will arrest it by posting that, that because they, uh, I don't recall what were the reasons, but they were actually arrested for posting that because it was Probably because it was a secret. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, because so by secrecy that's, that's one. The other one are like videos that demonstrate how bad the government has been to their own people because Bolivian government, uh, the Bolivian president, Evo Morales, enters the government uh, with a new air for indigenous people in Bolivia. So, Khan, if you would bear with me, I'd like to bring one uh, question back to uh, back to Christo, and this is the uh, question: digital warfare, because you are bordering a country that actually uh, um, indulges in di uh, digital warfare. And uh, what 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 are the kind of things that you do to defend your public against uh, the uh, the things that are perpetrated by at the moment by the Russian administration? Yeah. Uh in 2007, we had, the, uh, at that point, the biggest uh, cyber attack against the country, and that was done by the Russian government to the Estonian government. It hit all our ministries. Uh, after that, our media, uh, and it affected uh, pretty much every, every part of our country. And after that, Estonia saw even in 2007, how big of a threat can actually cyber cyber warfare uh, be? And after that, our government give uh, very big funds to the cyber defense uh, system. And I think from that case, because we lived it through so so harshly, we saw we saw very early how effective it could be. And after that, we have had. From there on, we have, I think, one of the best hackers from the governmental side in the world. And, yeah, we have a governmental cyber de defense uh, uh, agency that helps all of the people, too, if they get cyber attacked. And they protect all of our uh, ministries, too, from cyber attacks coming from, from Russia. But, of course, one major issue, what is hard to prevent from an agency is is false news spread by uh, fake bots or Twitter bots or Facebook bots that yeah, just spread uh, false info from the Russia side. Yes. So Khan, many of our experts in the, uh, in the digital field actually come from, from India, both uh, software to a certain extent also hardware. 
developers. So you have uh, very, very qualified people in the field, and we notice this also from, from the participation that we have from, from you at our event. Uh, but uh, there is also the opposite, uh, uh, because the extremes are very, very big in India. You have very, very poor people, probably a very large section of the community that doesn't have access to, to digital me media. How do you see this? That is absolutely true. There are large sections of society in India which are lacking even basic education at the moment. People are being pushed towards education first and foremost, and they are being incentivized with food being given for free during lunchtime. That acts as a draw because those families, there are lots of these families which cannot even afford to feed all their children for all meals. So instead of working in the fields or somewhere else, they come for education. That's the first step. And from there, the building blocks add on. Eventually, it comes to the society where everyone is well-educated as the basic level. And on top of that, everyone is aware of what their rights are and what their abilities are. They use that to succeed in society. India has been focusing for the last few decades on engineering as a main sphere. There are a lot of good engineering institutions and there are a lot of good management institutions. Law is coming up as the next sphere. And I work in a mix of these spheres, technology and law. Okay, so this, this sounds as if it's a very promising future for you personally, but uh, in all probability also for, uh, for, for India. But uh, my, my question is, is also just to give us a sense of the proportions. How many people approximately, what percentage of the population doesn't have access to uh, digital media today? In your I would say at least 40% people currently lack basic access a lot of people access internet using other people's mobile phones or going to some shops that are called cyber cafes there or internet cafes elsewhere in the world. These act as the basic points of access. But India has also skipped broadband lines and landlines and gone straight over to mobile networks. Yes. The latest entrant in the market has pushed data speeds and gone straight to 4G. Yeah. They've got a widespread network in India and they've brought down prices of data and voice calls for everyone in the market because they had aggressive cutthroat prices. So all the other competitors also brought their prices down. India has a thriving market competition in this yes, sphere. Yes. So, so what you have is actually an addition of millions and millions of subscribers every, every year because of the bringing down of prices and, uh, and, and services which are e e easily accessible uh, on, uh, on, on mobile networks. Yes, and the government is actually also pushing for a lot of services to be available through mobile phones. The only problematic part there somewhat is that those services require you to give up certain privacy rights in exchange to obtain those services. Yes. We were talking about uh, uh, privacy uh, dur during our event here in, in Gummersbach. What is the main issue uh, that you see in Maida in, in, in Serbia when it, comes to, when it comes to privacy? Well, uh, first and uh, most important, I noticed that Serbia didn't get seriously this kind of subject, you know, uh, we have internet uh, almost in every part of Serbia. You still have uh, 
places with a lot of hills and this kind of stuff that they can even don't have mobile signal, not only internet. So that's the, also one one part of the problem. But about privacy issue, I think current government in Serbia is using all the social media and everything they can get in order to maintain in the uh, in the governance. You know, uh, they are also uh, buying uh, votes from the people so they are using uh, very very massively social networks to connect with their uh, youth population and this kind of stuff they are promoting uh, their uh, political party everyone does, does that but they are really aggressive when we have elections in Serbia you cannot even watch YouTube because our current president Vucic uh, bought, uh, bought all the advertisement and you cannot skip them. You have to watch 15 seconds yes. of uh, propaganda material if you want to watch something on YouTube. So, uh, so how would you how would you like to see this tackled in, in in Serbia? Do you think it's possible to to do something about this? Well, I think yes, because Serbia is on its path to European Union, and I think that we have to correct our own. Uh, way how we behave, especially our government. They should not be so much autocratic. I think they have to change to be more democratic like they present themselves to the European Union. Mm -hmm. And I hope one day they will just uh, realize that everything that they do have very bad side effects. Mm -hmm. I think already a lot of people feel enough of them, you know. it's His face is everywhere and that we will show that Serbia will be a great example how mass usage of uh, media can be also bad in in one point when people just get enough of everything. So when you look at uh, Bolivia, uh, in in, in Bolivia, I mean, the the internet probably by uh, by the opposition was first of all seen as an as an instrument, I mean, if, particularly if you look at social media, of expressing discontent, of uh, of sharing criticisms, of of, of, of talking about the, uh, the, the future, more an instrument of the people rather than an instrument of the government. But things seem to be changing now in, in Bolivia. Can you give us a little insight on that? Yes. Uh, actually, every time we need to communicate something, uh, if you're a party, if you're an NGO, uh, and you need to communicate something, you go to the social media because uh, the government has this big structure of media. They uh, make censorship throughout uh, paid ads by the government. So we we look at social media as a new way to communicate, a new way to, to do politics, a new way to communicate, a new way to make assemblies and make coalitions and make try to communicate the best way we can and without auto-censorship ourselves because that's a great thing that we still have. I think still we have uh, this anonymity in the internet. And in countries with such a weak structure and uh, such a weak democracy, it's fundamental yes. to really uh, make uh, stand up against a regime like is uh, the Morales regime or like Maduro's regime in Venezuela. Internet is the best tool for democracy and for free speech and for freedom of assembly and just to communicate and just to, to live a normal life, just to, to have this freedom of even you when think. you have mass surveillance. Even when you have mass surveillance, because all of us knows what we are getting exposed to. Because that that's another issue. Because when we use these services, we know we are giving them our data. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And over that, that can be used well by, by oppositions that need to make an ad on Facebook or on Twitter or on, on YouTube. But it can also be used by the government to put ads against us or, or put up fake news or put up propaganda on social media. So it's a double-edged sword. But its main reason is to protect free speech and freedom of assembly and use it as a real tool for organizing ourselves and to communicate and also to, to, to live in a, the real 21st century. Yes. Christo, with respect to safe use of the internet, okay, protecting yourself against, uh, against cyber attacks and so on, what, uh, what, what has the policy of the Estonian government been? Have, uh, do you have an active uh, program uh, you know, to uh, promote um, digital literacy, for instance? Yeah, we actually have, uh, in some of the Estonian kindergartens, we actually teach a little bit of programming. And pretty much in every high school, you have uh, have lessons with uh, with computers and teaching how to use uh, simple computer programs and how do you how to cope in there. Uh, from the literacy point, you actually in 2018 we're probably gonna take a uh, take in a new law about cybersecurity in Estonia and how how the government how the uh, people should cope with it and put major guidelines uh, for that. So yeah we are definitely we know that it's a problem and uh, we would like to educate everybody uh, on those subjects so what's the situation like in india i mean uh, I, I would presume india being a very very large democracy you also enjoy a very large amount of uh, freedom uh, on the internet in the social social media what what are the concerns of the government how how has the government been been reacting to this? Is it trying to implement certain certain rules and regulations to kind of uh, um, what uh, control information on the internet? There are a few different methods which have been used to do this in India already. There was a section in Information Technology Act of 2000 inserted in 2008, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. which allowed the government to prosecute people for offensive messages posted on social media. Mm. My organization, SFLC.in, was involved in a case against this, and the judgment finally struck down this section. So now people can post messages online, which may be perceived as offensive, but which are not actually hate speech. This law was used widely against people who were posting messages whenever there was a protest, or uh, mm. anything critical of a politician. Yes, yes. So two girls in Mumbai were prosecuted because they had posted a message saying that uh, there are protests happening in the city mm. and that is causing trouble in terms of too much traffic and uh, that blockage is causing harm to the society at large. Yes. Because somebody had died, all of this was happening. But for and this, you need a very uh, strong independent judiciary and yes. judiciary who all, uh, that also understands the issues. So yes. uh, would this happen everywhere in India or is it just good fortune that, uh, that it happened in a particular part of India or a particular court was involved? 
it was actually more than one case that was involved in this okay. all of these cases ended up at the highest court of the land the yes. supreme court of india yes. and there when they were heard together the court decided that this law needs to go okay that it is being abused it's not clear enough it's too vague so it must be struck down there are other instances as well where the government has stifled criticism or speech online mm-hmm. but those have been done more in terms of shutting down the internet altogether to prevent protests or to stop protests from spreading mm-hmm. further we are tracking that at the moment so we've had a lot of examples here of insights that we uh, gain just by listening to uh, to each other very very different insight, uh, insights from different parts of the world and part of the objective of the international academy for 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 leadership is to expose people to experiences uh, from other parts of the world and perhaps there are things that we can all learn from experiences and other parts of the world i've i've certainly learned a lot but my last uh, question uh, to all of you is what has the biggest insight been so far that you uh, that you have gained from this uh, from uh, from from the seminar here at the academy maida Uh well first of all when I was coming here I really expect a lot because uh I've spoken with some people who participate in different occasions in theater house and they really had great experience so I already came with the high expectations but everything that I lived here through these 10 days are really much beyond my expectations first of all this is the first seminar where i had opportunity to meet with so many different countries with so many different cultures it, with so many great people from first of all and then uh when we heard a lot uh, most of the time i think that serbia is the worst place to live in because when you try to fight the system when you try to fight for human rights it's not always easy but then you can hear a lot of stuff uh from different parts of the world and then say okay uh i can feel the serbians in europe now you know mm-hmm. we have a really different traditions and different way of perspectives how something should look like especially in the field of human rights but uh it was really one uh unchangeable thing that i got here is that i really had the chance to speak with persons in life uh, how life in their country really looks like uh, for my phd studies and for the topic i choose i have to read a lot of literature about different part of the world but you can never be sure how someone uh change the real facts to make it worse or to make it better and it's the real first first chance to to speak about something that i read for my phd uh with persons who came from yeah. especially on women rights so you have had gained a lot of insights for uh, great for your own insights work from okay. from my own work a lot of experience that i will bring back home a uh, lot of great practices that we can see from estonia for example what is your p- phd uh, topic uh my phd is from field of international law human rights uh dealing with uh, uh my main topic is position of women in international law and protection of women in international law with different aspects but aspect aspects but mostly from um uh protection of women against uh violence and uh, protection of women rights yeah. in international law okay okay so so um, the biggest uh, the, the biggest insight that you've gained here during the last week 
that's a bit hard because i've learned so much well, but I, i agree with my that what about the biggest two <laughs> okay i'll name two the first one i agree with my that uh, it has been very enlightening to interact with people from all over the world hear their different points of views and understand that it's okay to be wrong it's okay to accept other people's points of views where their facts and their results have proved that they are right in that instance the other thing i have really appreciated learning here is everything in uh, everything in human rights comes down to a few basic rights and as long as you have those the other ones build up on top of that so right to privacy freedom of assembly freedom of speech and expression these are some of the core ones and, and your liberty is intimately connected with the uh, use of the internet of course yes of course and all of these translate onto rights on the internet onto digital rights your right to access translates to the internet your right to privacy carries over your right to freedom of speech and expression also carries over all of these are closely associated and all of those act together it's not one right alone that will ensure liberty for you you need all of these rights mm mm-hmm. Maida, going back back to you, I mean, one of the one of the questions uh, we talked about harassment via the internet, and I mean, women are a particular target in many countries. Would you be looking uh, on uh, uh, into that subject in your PhD thesis? Of course, I I forgot to mention it uh, uh, when I was speaking uh, before because. Uh, I just got another aspect of my PhD thesis. It's so great because I can now put also the cyber security and harassment and every other aspect how is protected women's online. Yeah. Not only in real life, but yes. uh, women are much more victims of cyber bullying and this kind of stuff of stalking, uh, how you can give your data and then you can Uh, someone who is who can stalk you yes. uh, how he can find you how he can hurt you in a real in a real time yes. so uh, there are so much connections that i was not aware before i came here one week ago i really didn't have this kind of aspect and i'm really uh, glad that i came here in this moment before i start actually writing my final work yeah. on phd and thank you for all of that Um Nicolas uh, the biggest insight or insights that you've gained from from Well I will go with with Sukran I will go with two the first one is uh, the international environment we have because I really understand and knew about other realities and know that we have a lot of issues a lot of problems that are the same and also we have a lot of hope in cases of success such as the Estonian case it's amazing that someone can do uh, that common sense Uh, introduce technology in governance it's year, uh, light years away from our reality but the most important thing is knowing and really uh, being encouraged to stay stay strong and stay fighting for our rights and learning and keep learning about why are they important and it's n- especially now that we are living in this new digital revolution we have a new uh, kind of rights and a new way to protect ourselves and our rights and safeguard the freedoms in the digital world yeah i've i've heard some participants here saying well yes i've i've gained some insights uh, for for instance my own organization uh, it's very very important to inform members of my own human rights organization or political organization of the dangers out there and how to protect oneself and there are very very basic uh, 
interesting and useful, efficient ways of protecting oneself on the internet. What are the two, two or three things that you would recommend to human rights activists or to opposition uh, politicians in your country? In my country, uh, we safeguard privacy, first yes. of all. Uh, use safe channels and, and you know, apply new technologies on the way we communicate each other. Uh, look forward in the security. A virus scan, for instance. Yes, virus scan. yes. Yeah. Uh, be, be updated on new ways to safeguard your privacy, your laptops, your cell phone, especially your cell phones. Uh, and then also start developing these new technologies such as blockchain, which is untemperable, basically. And it's an open book for governance uh, mm. and apply it in, in especially we, when I go back, I was talking with this congressman, like this is a, a case of success. We should start looking forward to develop something like this, not for the entire government because it's a huge gap, uh, but for our justice system because we have a real issue with justice delay and justice access. And mm. this will be a really good way to just get... That uh, put a finish on it. So uh, at, our, at our seminar, we have discussed uh, a lot of technologies. We actually even visited the cybersecurity conference of uh, German Telecom in uh, in Bonn. We also uh, had a session with uh, with one of the people who are working with a federal agency for 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 cyber cyber security. And there were a lot of very very practical uh, tips that uh, that we received here. What are the most important uh, insights that you've gained from this event? I definitely have to agree with uh, with Nicola Zucran and Maya about just the internationality of this event and as I read a lot of international news too and now I can put pretty much the news together with uh, the real people, their insights if they live with those news and what does it that actually mean and how do they uh, interpret uh, those news and of course just we live in a digital world and everybody uses it and here I can just uh, clarify that we have to we have to do all this develop in a digi digital world because everybody is using it everybody in every part of uh, the world and of course Estonia has been a pretty good example and things, uh, if in, in success stories maybe, but here I can see just what problems are, uh, does the digital world uh, bring bring with it? Yeah, if you don't have trust in the government, then the government will use those digital solutions against you, and that actually shows just the digital world and all of the world you have to develop all the time, and in a, it's doing a part too that. Okay, we have these solutions, but they will be outdated at some point. People are using more mobile phones at the moment. We need more safety on mobile phones. And in a digital world, we have to go with it all the time. And uh, that's definitely the best insight that th maybe the normality that I have in Estonia at the moment, it, it isn't a normality in, in a lot of other countries. And it definitely won't be a normality in five years. We have to go forward in digital uh, solutions.
but progress is very, very small. And I live in a country, Kenya, where mobile phones and the distribution of mobile phones is 100%, at least in terms of numbers. Uh, we have over, over 40 million uh, people living in, in, in Kenya, and we have more than 40 million mobile uh, mobile telephones in circulation and mobile telephones are already used by a vast majority of the population for making payments. So, so basically one doesn't use cash for making payments, uh, one uses one mo a mobile phone and it's an example of leapfrogging in, in, in the case of technology. It's a technology that's easy to use and it's already reality and I think things will, will, will progress very, very quickly from, uh, from, from there. Anyway, I would like to thank you all for your, uh, for your contributions. We have one more day to go, and what, tomorrow we'll be uh, summarizing uh, the, um, uh, basically what we've talked about um, here. And uh, today, the afternoon session will be devoted to the whole concept of digital rights. Do we need special rights, digital rights, in order to protect our rights and the things that we've come to appreciate uh, that we expect from uh, from the internet from social media and from other uh, parts of, uh, of of our environment which uh, which is becoming more and more um, well characterized by what we call digitization the digital world thank you very much thank you thanks thank you.